Jeffrey Lickman for Beyond the Legal Limit. Welcome to a new show. And I, and I wish I could tell you at the start that this is going to be a happy show. It's not. I am in the worst mood, the absolutely worst mood. My basketball team, Duke, lost last night at home to our arch nemesis, North Carolina, which actually has a horrible team this year. Horrible team. They haven't beaten anybody good all year. Not only did we lose at home, but we lost at home for Coach K's final home game at Duke in his career. The greatest coach, perhaps, in the history of the game. And our boys laid a huge stinking egg at home last night and got humiliated. Completely ruined my weekend. I'm still enraged about it. But what bothered me even more, because the rage with me reaches many levels. It's not just on the surface. I have to watch the game, and I don't know how many times they cut away to uh, Jerry Seinfeld and his wife in the crowd. Springsteen was there. Seinfeld was there. But they showed Seinfeld, I don't know, 50 times. Seinfeld apparently has two kids that attend Duke. And Duke is such a special place, such a special school that is all about academics. Unless, of course, you're a famous person and they want your kids to be accepted so that they can cut away at basketball games and show the famous parent. So two Seinfeld kids are at Duke, and I'm just wondering how extraordinary those uh, SATs from those two privileged kids could be. I'm sure they're just massive intellectual heavyweights that are at Duke. And then I was reminded back when I was at Duke, uh, Ted Koppel's kid was there. Uh, Tom Brokaw's kid was there. Bruce Springsteen has a daughter uh, that graduated from Duke. Any fucking celebrity, if you want your kid to go to Duke, just apply and they will let you in. When they're not being anti-Semitic by discriminating against Jews at Duke, and believe me, it's bad at Duke now. It's not the Duke uh, that was when I was a kid. If you're a celebrity, you'll just get in and take the spot of some you know kid who actually deserves to be there. Forget that SATs don't matter anymore and that as many woke people as possible they're letting in. But if you've got, uh, you're a celebrity and you've got a kid, no matter how fucking stupid that kid is, Duke, boy, just front and center, step up, we've got a spot for you. So part of me enjoyed a little bit of the humiliation last night. I'm a huge Duke fan. I've been going to a game every year for years. I sit on the floor first row. I give them money. I'm a very good alum, everything I'm supposed to do. But there was a little bit of smirky satisfaction I had watching them get their asses kicked last night by their hugest, hugest enemy in the world, North Carolina, another cesspool of a school. But at least famous people don't send their kids there because who the fuck wants to go to UNC? Anyway. That's how I'm starting the show. I'm pretty pissed. Now, let's get back uh, to the most important uh, story, more important than Duke humiliating me and humiliating themselves uh, on uh, Saturday night, is the Ukraine. Let's talk about the Ukraine. I mean, it's being absolutely obliterated. It's being obliterated, but that's not even the, the, the biggest story of this week, if you can believe. The State of the Union bothered me first, before we even get to the Ukraine. I didn't watch it. I had no interest in watching uh, uh, Joe Biden. I watched. Uh, I went to go see Batman instead, which was really good. You should go see him. What was comical about, the only part that I cared about the State of the Union speech is that Biden and the rest of the Democrats suddenly stopped wearing masks. I don't know if you noticed. They're two inches away from each other uh, inside a closed room, hundreds of them, 
and there's no masks. They're huffing and puffing in each other's faces. Suddenly, COVID isn't a concern anymore for the State of the Union. (laughs) Suddenly, science allowed all masks to disappear when the day before Biden is outside wearing literally an entire diaper around his face. His mask is so big, it looks like his grandmother's underwear wrapped around his face. But the next day, when he's inside around hundreds of people, science subtly cooperates. Where was Fauci to come out and say, whoa, whoa, we need to have masks, need to be safe, need to be careful, safe, safe. He was hanging, I think, upside down in a closet, tied up in a burlap sack, silenced, gone. The day that Biden and all the rest of the Democrats at the State of the Union weren't wearing masks, my kids had to go to school wearing masks again, two straight years. Even though the the chances of, of them getting very sick from COVID are like less than the odds of uh, getting electrocuted in the bathtub. Now, are my kids more at risk than a bunch of old farts in Congress who attend the State of the Union without a mask? Biden's like 100 years old and he's barely alive. Why is it okay for him to no longer be wearing a mask? And the day after the State of the Union, he's wearing a mask outside again by himself? Who's, who's going to infect him? Who's he going to infect? Some spores? Some bugs? But for some reason, the night before, COVID just didn't exist. And Biden and the rest of the virtue signaling, scolding, leftist scumbags didn't need a mask anymore. I think what happened, this is just a hunch, is that politics intervened. When you've got a 38% favorability rating and you're sure to tank your party in the midterm elections in eight months and, and gut any power that you have, you don't want to appear weak with the whole country watching. But why would wearing a mask make Joe Biden look weak? After all, what other reason can there be for him wearing, uh, not wearing a mask anymore? He told us for a year that wearing a mask is patriotic. It's not weak that it was our duty to wear a mask, that it would save lives. Why didn't it save lives during the State of the Union? I want to know. Where was the the, the patriotism of Joe Biden during the State of the Union? Why wasn't he wearing a mask over those giant, stupid cap teeth? Why did the prospect of wearing a mask cause Biden to think he'd look weak before the American people? It's just politics. The entire mask escapade from the beginning was politics. During his speech, Biden's talking about COVID. Somehow he didn't explain why he wasn't wearing a mask anymore, despite everybody in airports and planes and any federal building, the post office, trains, you name it, you gotta wear masks. In federal courthouses, at the time the speech was given, you had to have not just a face mask in New York, but an N95 mask on. Try doing a three-hour proceeding with a garbage bag over your head. That's what an N95 mask feels like. I was in court just this past Friday. After the State of the Union, when Biden didn't wear a mask indoors, I had to wear a mask. Why does Biden not have to wear it, but I do? He's the perfect candidate to die from COVID. He's old, he's demented, he's got a full diaper. He's probably got 38 different diseases. 
He is the one who needs to be safe. He is the one who should be making sure he's not spreading the virus. Yet he's not wearing a mask and I have to? How can you take these people seriously? They lie to your faces. They think that you're just a tiny person who doesn't matter, that only they matter. They're the elites. Some abject Delaware moron who has a white privileged man with all that privilege that white people got, and I don't know when he was applying to schools, the 30s or 40s, he couldn't do better than Syracuse and the University of Delaware for college and law school. He's an intellectual lightweight, yet he's important. He's above COVID. You're not. You don't matter. Keep wearing your mask in federal buildings, planes, trains, or else. And now that the masks are off in the schools in New York, or uh, New York's idiot governor, another one with giant uh, capped horse teeth at Kathy Hochul, she's screaming that no kid who wears a mask by choice should be bullied. She just won't allow it. No one will dare to be harassed or ostracized. Hey, lady, fuck you. For two years, my kids were bullied into wearing masks, even though they didn't, it didn't help them at all. For two years in high school, they were forced to not see their friends' faces, their teachers. Two years of high school, two years, two full years, kids were separated. Kids were eating lunch outside on the ground because they didn't have enough room inside to separate them. If they didn't wear a mask, they were kicked out of school. Even as we learned from Biden last week that the entire mask policy was BS because he didn't wear one inside a closed building around hundreds of people. People were spit on in stores if they didn't wear masks. They were spit on by these crazy leftists. So guess what? When I see someone wearing a mask now, I bully the fuck out of them. Naturally, of course, uh, he also lied about inflation. I'm just reading about it because I didn't see the damn speech. He said that inflation started uh, when Putin invaded the Ukraine. He invaded like nine days ago. Inflation was in the 1% range when he took over in January of 21. 14 months later, it's over 7%. Inflation, gas prices, all that started going up well before the Ukraine was invaded by Russia. When you keep on spending money that you don't have and telling everybody to stay home and be safe when we're producing nothing as a nation, except printing money, that's how inflation happens. When we cause small businesses to shut down, for the middle class to become dependent on the, that free government money, how can you take them seriously anymore? How can you believe a word they say? Biden said in the State of the Union that we need to stop seeing each other as enemies. All right, buddy. If anybody dared to disagree with him on his voter rights bill, well, he called you a racist like George Wallace or Bull Connor. He's just lying to your face. We're just standing for it. We're just taking it. He tells us the answer is to not defund the police. Hello, it's your party. It's your party that said to defund the police. Now he's saying to fund the police because politics. He doesn't like his poll numbers, which are in the toilet. When Democrats were burning down city after city, after George Floyd died, all we heard was the fund, the fund, the fund from Democrats. Now at 38% favorability, the Democrats realize everyone hates the far left. So now it's back to funding the police. Nothing's changed. Policing hasn't gotten any better. People are tired of high crime, of their families not being safe. Only the far left likes crime. These single leftist freaks with no families, no jobs, 
No one else likes high crime. Just them, people with jobs. They don't like crime. And Biden's reading from a teleprompter. I watch this goof after. He's reading from a teleprompter. And I can't blame him because every president reads from a teleprompter during the State of the Union. He's so old, though. He's so demented. He's so confused. And he was talking about Russia's invasion of the Ukraine. He mixed up Iran and the Ukrainian people. Quote, Putin may circle Kiev with tanks, but he'll never gain the hearts and souls of the Iranian people. That's what he said. What the hell is that? How do you mix up those two? That wasn't on the teleprompter, I get it. But once it came out of his mouth, how does he not correct himself? Does he not really know the difference between Iran and the Ukraine? Is this guy just in a total fog? Does he think that Iran was being invaded by Russia? Jesus Christ. Guess what? A new poll by ABC News and the Washington Post found that only 40% of Americans think that Biden is sharp enough to do his job. Just 40%. 54% think he's not mentally up to it, up to the job. That means that a lot of Democrats feel that way. And you think his dementia is going to improve over the next three years? We've got three more years of this clown, this, this cap-tooth clown. You think his IQ is going to go up? And when they finally can't hide it anymore and he has to disappear, we got Kamala Harris in charge. We have Putin threatening to use nuclear weapons after three days of invading his neighbor. Just after three days. And Biden goes home in the middle of the day on Friday back to Delaware to nap? To feel safe? We have a lunatic threatening nuclear weapons and World War III. And this guy goes home? And leaves what? Kamala Harris in charge? We have affirmative action in charge? Oi. For anyone who has watched uh, what affirmative action has done to America, in America, uh, America's schools and jobs, be afraid, be very afraid, because the chickens are coming home to roost, and the idiots who got into great schools, who will now be in charge because of affirmative action, they're still idiots. I want to be like Joe Biden. They're still idiots. As for Russia, think how crazy the situation is. I mean, what we did to get ourselves in this mess, they're just destroying the Ukraine, their neighbor, their brothers, their relatives, former members of the same country. Just decades ago, they're destroying them. They're targeting innocent people, killing them. They're attacking their nuclear reactor. They're focusing on civilians. Some woman tried to bring food to a dog shelter, and she was picked off by a, by a sniper, a Russian sniper. It's how sick and evil and depraved these people are. Putin is an absolute lunatic. He's shown himself. This isn't a, a, a Russia war. The people in Russia don't want it. It's a Putin war, one man. And what's he getting out of it? Is the Ukraine going to be happy to be uh, conquered? There's, uh, uh, I think we're at one and a half million to two million have already fled. Will the rest be happy to live in a communist country again? being treated like garbage by a dictator after having their families murdered? Putin's going to have to occupy the Ukraine. People that hate his guts. That's a lot of work. And for what? What is he getting out of it? They're never going to accept him. They're never going to accept Russia. So what? So he can push uh, Russia's border out further west towards NATO? Guess what? NATO is going to be on your border regardless if you take over the Ukraine. You got Romania next door. You got Poland. If Putin attacks one of them, 
the entire NATO alliance will have to respond. You know, I assume they will, although Putin keeps threatening nuclear war. They'll have to, and there will be a nuclear war. I presume Putin doesn't want it either, but who knows? He's crazy. Regardless of what happens, how this ends, and it will end with Ukraine falling, obviously. I'm shocked that it hasn't happened yet, but they, they're just ratcheting it up. Putin, Russia are global pariahs. There is no way that Putin could have anticipated this. I don't know how, but there's no way he'd be doing what he's doing. So what do we do about it at this point? Let's take the no-fly zone uh, discussion. Let's get rid of that quickly. Lots of people are calling for, for a no-fly zone to be implemented over the Ukraine to stop Russian warplanes from dropping bombs on innocent people. Does anybody know what a no-fly zone actually is? It's not like some kind of like invisibility cloak that you drop over the Ukraine and no one can see them or bomb them. It means that people putting up the no-fly zone have to shoot down any Russian plane over the Ukraine. That means killing Russians, attacking Russians, destroying their property. Of course they deserve it. Does anyone, though, want to risk making a crazy person like Putin use nukes after he threatened to use nukes? You're basically declaring war against Russia if you shoot down their planes. That's a real act of war. There's no plausible deniability if you start picking off their planes. They're going to have to start attacking us back. And if Putin feels that he's cornered, that he could lose a war, you don't think the crazy son of a bitch isn't going to drop nukes or something close just as bad to hurt his enemies? Do we want to find that out while defending the Ukraine? Of course not. He's already fabricated a reason to invade the Ukraine. He'll fabricate a reason why nukes need to be used. He claims that the Ukraine's Nazis and that he wants to protect the Jews in the Ukraine. He actually said that with a straight face. Russia is a deeply anti-Semitic place. They're not protecting any Jews. That's a total joke. So forget the no-fly zone. And remember, Putin isn't attacking America here. And America is not going to directly engage Russia in a war over the Ukraine. Not a country run by Putin, who's crazy. Now, if Russia didn't have nukes, would we be more aggressive with them? Of course we would. But that's why we aren't going to do shit with them. Biden is correct. He's afraid to get us nuked. That's at least the one thing he did right. So Putin moves further west. They capture the Ukraine. And as I said, Romania and Poland are right on the, the border. They're NATO members, and they surely have their borders carefully guarded, knowing they're going to have dozens of NATO members with them to defend from any Russian aggression inside that territory. Will Putin go further and attack them? I doubt it. Because if he did at that point, we'd have no choice but to respond militarily, and there will be a world war, and, and there will be nukes involved. And if that happens, it's, it's, it's very clear that you know, tens of millions, hundreds of millions of people could die. And that would be the end of the world as we know it. This is the problem with nuclear weapons. This isn't fighting Saddam Hussein or the Taliban. This is a country, Russia, that has more nukes than any country in the world. If we fight them, there will be a nuclear war, 100%. But at some point, we'd have to respond militarily to Putin if he starts invading NATO countries. We can't live in a world where a crazy person with nukes dictates terms, unless we just plan on being slaves, which probably half of America wouldn't mind. Now, as I said, Trump 
you know, was a complete idiot, but he scared Putin. Putin viewed Trump as a crazy person, and that's why he didn't invade the Ukraine then. Look, I'm not a Trump fan. I'm not, you know, supporting him, but that's the truth. That's a fact. Putin didn't trust uh, what Trump was capable of doing. Uh, I mean, Biden, however, Putin's not concerned about him. He just sees him as another weak leftist like Obama, which is why he invaded the Ukraine in 2014 and 2022. Obama and Biden in office, and somehow he, he skipped over Trump. By the way, slow clap for those two uh, idiot liberals, Obama and Biden, who created more refugees than anyone over the last 10 years. Obama, who promised to stand up to Assad in Syria if they dared gas their citizens, killing hundreds of thousands of them without gas, though. No problem for Obama. But of course, Assad, he knew what Obama was, and he gassed his people. And Obama did nothing, and about 13 million refugees fled Syria. Those are the people you want in your hometown. You want some Muslims from Syria in your hometown. No, not, a, not a problem at all. And Biden, whose lame efforts to help the Ukraine, I mean, all he did, this is what Biden did to help the Ukraine. He was acting as if he was Paul fucking Revere with a shit-filled diaper, screaming that the Russians are coming, the Russians are coming. How about sending them massive weaponry? Instead of being Paul Revere, you dumbass, there's another few million refugees due to liberal American inaction when a modern-day Hitler is killing people. And for good measure, by the way, Obama screwed Israel by letting Russia into uh, Syria to act as a mediator. All that did was give it Assad uh, advanced uh, defense systems. Actually, Russia is in control of them. But Israel has completely changed their actions over Syria because of Russia being there. And Russia is an Assad ally, also an ally of Iran, and allows, helps Iran funnel weapons through Syria into Hezbollah's hands in Lebanon. Thanks, Obama. Had he simply enforced the no-fly zone in Syria back before Russia was even present, against a vastly inferior enemy who wouldn't have done shit to the United States, Assad would be gone from Syria, Iran wouldn't be there, and Russia never would have been invited in. But no, Obama was just too in love with Muslim terrorists to dare stop them from slaughtering even their own citizens. It's a fact. And I don't want to get too technical here, but I was reading about this last night about Hillary Clinton when she ran for president in 2016. She floated the idea of creating a no-fly zone over Syria to protect the Syrian people from the, the butcher Assad. He was dropping you know, barrel bombs and gas on his own people, as I just said. But she was shouted down by her own party about this idea. Why? Because they were afraid that Russia would shoot down American planes over Syria and the war would escalate because we already had let Russia in, as I just said, by Obama. So we were afraid of Russia then. We're afraid of Russia now, six years later. So how do we actually handle this crazy man who was threatening to blow up the world if we dare to interfere with his destruction of his neighbors? Again, nuclear weapons is what is causing the lack of pushback by the world. Remember that. The president of the Ukraine is screaming about NATO not doing enough, not fighting Russia for them. He's right. However, what country is going to risk getting nuked for the Ukraine, but the Ukraine. Why isn't the Ukrainian military launching bombs into Russian cities? Don't they have that capability? They're their neighbors. 
they can't launch bombs into Russia? They don't want to get nuked. That's why they're not doing it. So NATO is not going to directly engage Russia for the same reasons that the Ukraine isn't trying to attack Russia. If you really want to harm Russia, isn't that the way to do it? But shouldn't NATO arm the Ukraine? Of course they should. But they're not going to engage Russia directly. And Russia has even threatened military action against Sweden and Finland if they dare join NATO. He even violated Sweden's airspace last week to show that he means business. What did Sweden do? Putin, you know, let's say that Sweden and Finland apply to NATO. It doesn't, they don't get automatic admission. That means they are not in NATO yet. And if Putin attacks them while they're waiting to get into NATO, guess what? NATO has no obligation to defend them and they won't. Are we going to risk World War III and defend Sweden and Finland? We didn't with the Ukraine. And we won't with Sweden and Finland. We'll have the same excuse. We don't want to get into World War III defending a country that is not ours. And we're not obligated to defend. If, God forbid, Putin attacks a NATO country and we don't respond, well, guess what? Then NATO no longer exists and Putin is the king of the world. So, presumably, we'd be forced to do something then. I mean, you'd think, right? Plus, NATO countries, you know, they're not even keen on stopping giving Russia money to use to kill Ukrainians. Many NATO countries are still buying oil from Russia. We are still buying oil from Russia, even as Russia is destroying the Ukraine. And they're going to fight Russia when they're also paying Russia for oil? Again, for the 10th time, Biden knew for months what Russia was about to do. How did he handle it? He asked China, our mortal enemy, to help stop Russia. For the last three months, instead of arming the Ukraine to the teeth, Biden is trusting China, the country that unleashed COVID on us, like decimated our country, destroyed our economy. He didn't do shit, Biden, but run around, rely on China, and scream that the Russians are coming. Because Biden was afraid of Russia. He's afraid of Putin. And our inability to stand up uh, to Russia militarily, unless we absolutely have to in order to defend ourselves again, is due solely to their having nuclear weapons. We're afraid to mess with a lunatic like that. This is exactly why we should be walking away from the Iran nukes deal today. You think Russia is bad when they have nukes? What do you think a crazed Muslim terror state, which has as its leaders mullah, mullahs who state every day how much they want to die for Allah? You want those assholes to have nukes? Look how much we've allowed them to get away with since they came into power in 1979. And the first thing they did was take our people hostage for 444 days. It's 43 years later. They're way stronger than they were. And they're terrorizing our allies all over the globe without having nukes. And Russia is their ally. Russia is destroying the Ukraine, destroying our ally threatening other allies of ours in Europe, how does Biden respond? I mean, he's actually, in the middle of all of this, while they're destroying the Ukraine, Biden is begging Putin to put pressure on Iran to work out some shitty nukes deal. Do you think that Russia has our best interests at heart on this deal? Putin is so crazy that he announced that even sanctions against Russia is considered by him to be an act of war. If you don't buy his oil, he considers that to be an act of war. 
and Biden is begging him. He's begging him to help with Iran. It makes no sense at all. Well, it does make sense in one way. The reason why Biden did not arm the Ukraine during that three-month period that he was warning about Russian uh, invasion coming was because he clearly was trying to placate the Russians because he was trying to get their help with regard to the Iran nukes deal. That's why he fucked the Ukraine so bad. Of course, he won't tell us that. He was appeasing Russia with regard to Iran. As I said, we're still buying Russian oil because we aren't producing enough of our own. Because Biden is desperately trying to wean America off of oil. He stopped drilling. There's, you know, tens of millions of acres that could be drilled on. We're just giving money to a country which is threatening to nuke us. We are paying our enemy. Think how nutty that is. We're trusting Putin, today's Hitler, with helping us with Iran, the worst Muslim terror state ever, our mortal enemy. Putin supports Assad in Syria, who gasses his own people. Let's give him money. Biden's still talking to him like he's a rational actor, instead of, you know, the head of the worst axis of evil ever, Russia, China, Iran. Any deal that helps Iran helps Russia and helps China and helps them to destroy us. Soon all three of them will be nuclear countries. Do, do you think that we're going to get a good deal with Iran? Really? Or do you think it's just more appeasing by the American left? It's, it's such bad appeasing that leftist negotiators on the Iran team that we had dealing with Iran, they quit in the middle of it from our side because we were giving Iran too much. This is a country, a, not a country, but this is a, a leadership in Iran that should cease to exist. Yet we are bending over backward for them. And as I said, we don't dare fight Russia. It's not that we don't have a superior military. We do, but they have nukes. And a couple of nukes dropped on New York, D.C., hopefully Los Angeles. I could live with that, I suppose. You know, if they feel they're losing the war, they're going to use them. So we'll, what, we'll, we'll kill uh, three uh, uh, million more than they kill of ours? Are we prepared to lose 50, 100 million Americans? We have to stop pretending that they, the Russians, are a rational actor a country we can reason with. We need to stop all contacts with them immediately. Kick their people out of our country that are not citizens. Anyone with a visa, kick them the fuck out and back to Russia. Every Russian in schools, every diplomat, kick them out. Remove them. Send them back. Arm Ukraine to the teeth, although it's probably too late. Giving them massive weaponry isn't engaging Russia in a war. Russia gives Iran and Syria help to use against our allies. We could and should have done the same with the Ukraine, but we didn't. If it's not too late, we need to do it immediately. And I'm not talking about minor stuff. Russia needs to be armed, and not just in the skies, in the skies over the Ukraine. Not just on the ground in the Ukraine. Russia needs to be harmed at home. Make them feel some pain there. We have to do it. We have to, and it's not going to cause World War III. We should also be fortifying every uh, other neighbor of Russia, make sure they're completely protected from any kind of invasion. No need, again, to engage them directly, militarily. Iran arms proxies all over the world. They attack our allies, yet they have plausible deniability. We didn't do it. The Houthis did it. 
We didn't do it. Hezbollah did it. We didn't do it. Hamas did it. Yes, they're all paid for by Iran. But why isn't Iran attacked directly at home when these terror proxies commit violence on us? It's the same concept for us. Arm Russia's enemies. Have them attack Russia. But most importantly, stop all trade with them today. Same with the EU. Yes, I know, we need their oil. We need their natural gas. So does Europe. End all trade. Starve them. Will gas be $12 a gallon? It sure will be. Might be 15 Turn on every spigot. Start drilling for oil. Open our reserves. Turn down the heat in our buildings here and in Europe. These are desperate times. Putin is taking the money that Europe is giving them and using it to terrorize Europe. And Russia needs Europe's money. Europe can go elsewhere for Russian oil, not its natural gas probably, and it will take time to wean itself off of the the natural gas that they get from Russia to starve Russia. If all the buildings in the EU turned down their heat by one degree, I read this, by one degree, they'd save 10 billion cubic meters of gas which is as much as New York City uses in three months. But Europe and America do need renewable energy and need to stop relying on fossil fuels for one major reason, to stop relying on Russia and Iran for our needs to starve them. This is all they have to sell. They don't have anything else over there. Russia's probably going to punish the uh, Europe for supporting the Ukraine by limiting their sales of natural gas to them. Why should our allies, why should we be beholden to these terrorists? We can't. But in the short term, we need to drill and get all the the fossil fuels, all the gas, oil we can get. We need to stop Democrats. It's not all of us. We need to stop treating the Saudis and the UAE like like Muslim terror states just because we're trying to appease Iran. They are important allies to us now. And they don't threaten to nuke us. So let's keep them close and rely on them. Have them help with oil shortages. Yes, it's going to suck for a while, but we have no choice because we let Russia become too powerful again. It's not 1992 after the breakup of the Soviet Union. It's 2022. Russia is a problem. We need to wean off of oil, but we need to also keep the price of oil low. We do. Russia and Iran, when oil was $15 a barrel, They're not dangerous the way they are when oil is $120 a barrel. That's how they make money. They've got nothing else to export. Export. What else can Iran export? All they've got is their natural resources. What we need to do is drill right now crazy as possible to get that number down and not take any more from Russia, starve them, get the price of oil lower. And as for China, listen, we need to stop this bullshit with China. Kick out all of the Chinese students that are here on visas. Many of them are spies. All Chinese professors go back to China. They are not our ally. They are our enemy. Stop pretending. Cut the shit. Biden relied on them to help us with Russia. That's a joke. They conspired with Russia to hurt us. As I said, they unleashed the COVID virus. And Biden's relying on them. He has to be out of his mind. End our dealings with China. End it all. And Europe needs to get on board with this as well. If Italy or some other country over there wants to continue doing business with Russia or China, we need to penalize them heavily. We need to change. We need to change the world order back to where we are in charge. We're losing our grip. 
We're ceding power to communists with nukes who love Iran. Stop pretending that these are rational actors. They're not. Starve them. Now, I know it's not going to be easy. It can't be done overnight. I get it. But it needs to be started immediately. Kick Russia off of the banking system. Make them rely on China. Let China have that burden. Starve Russia. Destroy the ruble even further. Destroy their way of life over there until Putin is, is hanged upside down in the town square. Lindsey Graham suggested the Russians should, should assassinate Putin. He's right. They should. He didn't say that we should. Of course, the, the left is screaming about this as the MAGA idiots on the right. Why? We had no problem killing a sovereign nation's general, Soleimani from Iran. That was okay. But killing Putin isn't? Which country is, is uh, prepared to nuke us now and can nuke us now? The left loves Putin. They love the squad. They love Bernie Sanders because they're communists like Russia is. The far right, the MAGA imbeciles, Tucker Carlson, they love Putin. Why? Because they're Nazis like Putin is. It's the same shit on each political extreme. Trust me, if Hitler existed today, the far left would defend them as would the far right. And both of these groups would scream if he was assassinated. Hitler killed, what, 10 million people? A nuke would kill multiples of that. Many multiples. And Putin is threatening to use nukes on anyone who dares to stop his destruction of a so sovereign nation which did nothing to deserve it. You need to starve them into submission. We have no obligation to buy a damn thing from them. We have no obligation to let them use our banking systems. We aren't attacking them militarily. We are just done with them. When Putin is gone and their people decide they want to eat again, they're welcomed back. We nuked, uh, or not nuked, we dropped an atom, atom bomb on 150,000 Japanese that were killed. They became very docile all of a sudden. Same concept here. Let the Russian people decide they've had enough of starving and they'll get rid of Putin and come back to the civilized world. We need to become more self-sufficient, even if it hurts us in the short term. Biden and the far left didn't give a damn about not drilling for oil or the price of gas going up. They want to use this invasion by the Ukraine, excuse me, of the Ukraine by Russia, so that we can stop using oil and go to electric cars. Clean energy, clean, green as I said, gas will be 15 bucks a gallon soon. They don't care. They'll just print more money. And inflation will be back to where it was when Jerry Ford was in the White House, and we can all wear those whip inflation now buttons. Anybody remember them? Gas will be rationed, and we'll wait on lines two blocks long at gas stations. You'll be able to buy gas every other day, depending on whether your license plate ends with an even or an odd number. Start with Russia first. Start starving them. We can survive without them better than we can survive without China right now due to our own stupidity. In the short term, we need to drill for as much oil as possible to stop relying on Russia for oil, to keep the price of oil down so they can't make money from their exports, but cut them off. It's not like after Putin gets done conquering the Ukraine, like all is forgotten and done, Russia is a pariah state. They can't be allowed on any international body. No more Olympics. Nothing from the West. We can't allow it. We just can't. Let them live with China and Syria, North Korea. While we still have the power to isolate them economically, we need to before it's too late. 
We need to stop being the bigger person and we need to fight them at their level. Eject them from every last international body. And China and Iran are watching as the West does nothing to combat Russia's invasion of the Ukraine. They're watching. And they will be acting soon, I promise you that. Anyway, uh, at a time we need to be recognizing that we can't reward countries that threaten our allies, Biden goes ahead and cuts the worst possible deal with Iran for no reason at all, other than the fact that he somehow believes that they're going to change their stripes. I can't even believe that Biden thinks this. Democrats hate Israel, and Iran is the biggest threat to Israel, so Iran gets rewarded. That's the only thing that makes any sense here. Listen to how shitty this Iran deal is that we just made, by the way. You know, as I said, some of our negotiators already quit because we gave Iran way too much. Now, Biden, the Biden administration, they've refused to share any documents with either Democrats or Republicans in Congress about this deal. Why? Because he, they, he knows that the uproar will be too great. They need to sell America and our Middle Eastern allies out in private, just like Obama did in 2015. Meanwhile, somehow China and Russia have both publicly announced that the deal with Iran is done and they've got the details, but America doesn't know? Somehow we don't know anything about it, but our enemies do? Biden is doing all that he can to ensure that the Iran deal will not come up for a vote in Congress by claiming that he's not negotiating a new agreement, but simply taking part in talks to bring Iran and the U.S. back into a prior deal from 2015, just working out the little details of returning to that original 2015 deal. The fallout from that nukes deal from 2015 was the major sanctions relief that provided funds for Iran to terrorize our allies in the Middle East and in America. This deal is worse. Iran will be immediately getting $90 billion in cash to use any way they want, no restrictions, and they're going to use it for terrorism against us and our allies. Why are we even dealing with people who want to destroy us? They tell us they do. We cannot have any deal with any foreign enemy unless one thing happens in the deals. In the deal, all terrorism needs to end. All violence to our allies needs to end. We have to stop the status quo of negotiating with terrorists to, to, to end the pressure that we have on them. We have pressure on them. The only way they get out from under it is to instantly agree to stop terrorism. There is no such thing as a good deal with Iran, which does not immediately dismantle Hezbollah, Hamas, the Houthis. Those are their terror proxies in Lebanon, Gaza, and Yemen. They're terrorizing us and our allies. They either end their terrorism or no deal ever. If they march towards nukes, we fucking nuke them first. End of story. That's it. We starve them to death and destroy them and stop worrying about nation building. Let their people throw them out. Well, we're supposedly negotiating with Iran. You'd think they'd want to be on their best behavior, right? They're trying to kidnap Iranian dissidents in America, in our country. They're committing terrorism in our country while we're looking to give them sanctions relief? The status quo needs to change. Same thing with not attacking Iran inside Iran when its terror proxies attack our allies. It's the only way the status quo ends. It's the only way Iran pays the price for its terrorism. We need to use our leverage while we still have leverage over them. And it's the same with Russia. 
in this new world order where anyone with nukes can hold us hostage? We can no longer have anything to do with any country which allies with Iran. Russia is their ally. Another reason that Russia and America need to have zero ties, and China too. Let Russia, Iran, and China fend for themselves. Yes, we're going to suffer, but it's a lot better than getting nuked. Isn't it? We can overcome it in time. We can't allow these countries to dictate terms to us. And I'm not being hysterical. Look at the trajectory of this. The longer we allow these terror states to exist and march towards more powerful weapons, the more realistic it'll be that these weapons will be used against us and our kids. Nip it in the bud the way we did it with Japan in World War II. Israel allowed Hamas and Hezbollah to grow on their borders, and now Hezbollah may pose an existential threat to Israel, or at least, you know, cause the deaths of hundreds of thousands of people. They're all targets for thousands of rockets that are on Israel's border. These are suicidal Muslim terrorists who want nothing more than to kill Jews and destroy Israel. That's why they exist. Russia attacks the Ukraine over nothing. And Israel is afraid of the world response if, if they attack Lebanon, which houses an Iranian terror group with 100,000 missiles pointed at it? Israel could carpet bomb Lebanon today based on the fact rationale that Putin used to invade the Ukraine. And people should applaud Israel. While Russia is destroying the Ukraine over nothing, over a pretext, why can't Israel today destroy Lebanon? Blow up Iran. Is the world going to be a better or worse place? Better. If Iran sends a ballistic missile back at Israel in response, nuke them. What do we have them for? Putin is using the threat of nukes to change behavior. Let's stop waiting for these terror states to get nukes so they can use them on us. This has to end in one way and one way only. America and our allies cannot be at the mercy of a lunatic with nukes. Am I hysterical? Am I a warmonger? Hey, fuck you! Since when is it intelligent to sit back and do nothing when a suicidal bunch of terrorists threaten to kill you every day and they're soon getting nukes? In this new Iran deal, we're lifting sanctions on the worst of the Iranian terrorists, the ones who led the bombing of our marine barracks in Lebanon in 1983, killed hundreds of Americans. He's forgiven. Some of the worst human rights abusers, the ones who tortured and executed thousands of political dissidents over there, forgiven. The ones who hanged children and thousands of gays, forgiven. The, one, the, the ones who lead rallies, death to America and Israel, forgiven. We've sold out the brave people of Iran who hoped we would help overthrow the brutal regime instead. And it's worse than even this, the billions of dollars in sanctions relief that we're giving them. They're going to continue to use it to pay Hezbollah and Hamas and the Houthis to terrorize all of our allies. No restrictions on this money at all. Think how crazy that is. We're cutting a deal with them and not requiring them to stop terrorizing us. Not requiring them to give up weapons they can use to kill Americans or our allies. And we're also letting them get back into the global oil market where they're going to start making billions more when oil is well over $100 a barrel. This is a huge windfall for the worst terrorist state on the planet. And it comes at a time when Iran's economy was in a free fall. Hezbollah, their, their uh, Lebanese terror proxy, they destroyed Lebanon. Lebanon was in a free fall because of Hezbollah. Now we're giving a lifeline to Iran and Hezbollah? We had them by the throat. 
And now we're giving them hundreds of billions of dollars which they're going to use to terrorize us? A weaker deal could not have been made. If Iran really wanted peace, would they insist upon being allowed to fund their terror proxies? Of course. And, and I watch as that, that Pete, but a gug, but, but gug, transportation secretary, he's the one who took months off to nurse his twins when our supply chain issues were in the toilet. He's all for buying gas from Russia. Now he says we can buy oil from uh, uh, Iran too. Forget drilling here to starve Russia. We're going to pay over $100 a barrel for oil from Iran. If he was in Iran, you know what they would do to him in five minutes? They'd hang him from a crane for his gayness. Yet he's happily open to letting the terrorists who hang these gays from cranes off the hook. He's happy to pay these people. Pete Budgug, he's an enemy to all Americans. He is an enemy to Israel. He's an enemy to the Iranian citizens who are victims of that terror regime. I'd happily send him to Iran today, and he can try to reason with them. If he ends up at the end of a crane, well, so, so be it. Such is life. I don't care, and neither should you. Pete Buttgug is an enemy to decent American people. He wants to arm and pay the enemy. He's one of them. And as I said, Russia helped Iran with this deal. We can't trust them. We can't reason with them. We need to starve them. We need to starve them. Why is this so difficult to understand? And if, if you can believe this is even crazier, is that, you know, we have all this land that we could be using to drill on. Biden, he's trying to, I guess, appease that Alexandria Cortez Jimenez and, and, and not drill anymore. I mean, what he did this weekend was even worse. He sent senior officials to Venezuela on Saturday and met with the government of Venezuelan dictator and human rights abuser, uh, Nicolas Maduro. Why? To possibly buy oil from Venezuela. Do you understand that right now Maduro is presently under indictment in the Southern District of New York for importing thousands of kilograms of cocaine into our country over the last 20 years in an effort to destabilize it? He's charged with narco-terrorism. That's what narco-terrorism is. He's using narcotics to terrorize America. He was indicted less than two years ago. There's a $5 million reward on his head for capture. And we met with him over the weekend in Venezuela, begging on our knees for his oil? Listen, again, Joe Biden is wrong on every single foreign policy decision he's ever made over the past 40 years from counseling against killing bin Laden to trying, trying to buy oil from Maduro to giving Iran billions of dollars to use for terrorism and a clear pathway to nukes. He's also refusing to sell Saudi Arabia Patriot anti-missile batteries to protect them from Iran. Greece, tiny Greece, bankrupt Greece, had to sell those anti-missile batteries to the Saudis. Biden backs Iran and the Muslim Brotherhood-backed uh, state of Qatar ahead of our allies, Saudi Arabia and Israel. He emboldens Iran and Syria while cutting off our allies, Saudi Arabia and Israel, at the knees. And we got three more years of this? We're in deep shit. Now, when I get back from the break, I'm going to change. I, I got to stop talking about stuff that's making me crazy. 
and I'm going to talk about the Chapo Guzman trial a little bit, and about the time that I tried to get a baseball signed by him, because I have hundreds of baseballs, back after this break. Jeffrey Lickman for Beyond the Legal Limit. I'm back, and I was talking before the break about I have a very impressive baseball collection, signed baseballs. I have hundreds of them, and not baseball players at all. Everyone but baseball players, actually, are on these balls. Actors and actresses and famous people like Clint Eastwood, Sean Connery, Michael Douglas, Jack Nicholson, Daniel Day-Lewis, Bridget Bardot, Sophia Loren, that mink Sally Field. Remember her from those uh, Smokey and the Bandit movies? I got the cast of Seinfeld, The Love Boat, The Brady Bunch, Star Trek, Bill Gates, Jeff Bezos. I've got terrorists on balls, too, like Ahmadinejad and Rouhani of Iran, Erdogan of, of Turkey. I've got Palestinian terrorist leaders such as Abbas of Fatah. Yes, he's a terrorist. And the heads of Hamas. I've got Mohammed Morsi. He's the dead former president of Egypt and the Muslim Brotherhood leader. I've got musicians. I got musicians like Jimmy Page, who even put a 666 on the ball. I'm not sure what that actually means. I guess it's his lucky number. I've got Bruce Springsteen. I've got Bob Dylan. I've got Loretta Lynn. I've got Tom Jones. I've got Jack White. I've got Fats Domino, Little Richard, Jerry Lee Lewis, that pain in the ass Yoko Ono. I got them all. I got world leaders like the Queen of England, Prince William and, and Kate, Prince Charles, that pedophile Prince Andrew, Hugo Chavez, he's dead and in hell. I've got Vladimir Putin and Barack Obama on the same ball. I've got Gorbachev, Boris Johnson, the Pope, Fidel Castro. And I've got famous criminals, Charles Manson, Chelsea Manning, Edward Snowden. So naturally, I'm sitting next to El Chapo, Joaquin Guzman, every day for months. He's my client. You know, he's alleged to be the biggest drug dealer on the planet. I want a ball signed by him. We're very friendly, so it's not a big deal. Except there's one major problem. Due to the massive restrictions put on him by the government and the judge, I was never allowed to sit next to him in prison face to face, only through a, a glass in a tiny room, through a glass, a tiny room split in half by this big, thick glass. If I wanted anything signed, it had to be legal documents, and I had to hand them to a guard who would then open up Chapo's side of the attorney-client cage and have him sign them. And you can't sneak a baseball into jail anyway. So that was my chance, at least until we got to court. Except I've never had a client so carefully watched inside a courtroom. Usually there's a, a couple of armed marshals in the in very cavernous courtroom, maybe in the middle. They're very, you know, nondescript. You don't even notice them you know, in case there's an issue. And there have been some issues. I've been on trials where one of the defendants uh, punched his lawyer in the face. That happened uh, in the mid-90s. It was pretty funny. and. The Chapo, though, is treated differently, though. And I suppose it was due to his escaping prison in Mexico and his uh, apparent uh, obstruction of the judicial system in Mexico. He was treated as if he was Houdini over here, which is ludicrous. All five foot five inches of him. The guy behaved like a total gentleman the entire three-month trial. But during the trial, we had five armed marshals directly behind us up against the wall. I mean, they were inches away from us. I could not back my seat up without running over their toes. That's how ridiculous it was. But, you know, look, I'm not so easily deterred. So I brought a baseball to court. I did. 
for like a week. I'm thinking, do I ask the marshals? I knew they'd say no. Like, what is the big deal to let a guy just sign a damn baseball? He's got a pen in his hand anyway. He's taking notes. But, you know, the marshals, I knew they were terrified of messing up. I mean, this is the, the biggest trial ever inside that courthouse in Brooklyn. And they did not want to be seen as letting Chapo Guzman sign a baseball. They just didn't. Or so I thought. I mean, that was my thinking at the time. If I tried to sneak it to Chapo, I thought that there was a decent chance, but they might flip out and who knows what could happen. I mean, was it worth dying for to get shot by handing Chapo uh, a baseball to sign? Hmm, probably. Probably worth it. The court was so strict, strict with Chapo that they wouldn't let him have coffee at the beginning. True story. Only clear liquids were permitted to be given to him. That's what the government insisted upon. They were afraid he'd hide something in the murky liquid. That's coffee. That's how idiotic our government is, for real. Now, I don't drink coffee at all, and I haven't for my entire life, pretty much, because coffee's for losers. It's a crutch. It's a drug. I don't like coffee. I don't like people that drink coffee. But during jury selection, I had to publicly ask the judge if the man could have coffee. He was getting very little sleep at night during the trial at the beginning. The whole trial, really. And it was the humane thing to do, and it was stupid not to allow it. The judge actually had to have a discussion about this. He wasn't so quick to point out how idiotic it was, and discussed it with us and the marshals and the government, and he relented. And I think it might have been the only time we won a motion the entire trial. But to me, it was a, a, a trial balloon in a way regarding the baseballs. If the judge turned down Chapo receiving murky liquids, he would absolutely kill me if I asked him to get a ball signed. But the fact is, he had to consider it for a long time before he granted it, and it made me nervous. And then during jury selection, this also did not help. One of the jurors said he wanted Chapo's autograph, and <laughs> that elicited a very nervous laugh from me. The judge laughed in the juror's face and kicked him out of the pool of, uh, of, of possible jurors for being a fanboy. And that, of course, elicited more nervous laughter from me. I was like, <laughs> good move, judge, uh, good move. And I was dying inside. Now, I wasn't allowed to bring Chapo a ball into the pens behind the courtroom when I would visit him during breaks, because when there was a break, they would take him in the back and put him in a cage. Everything was videotaped in there. It would have to be inside the courtroom in front of the world. And I really struggled with this for, for the entire week. I thought, do I ask permission or just whip it out and just go for it? It was a real conundrum to me. It was a real, it was a real Sophie's choice. And I floated one more trial balloon, though. I just wanted to keep trying to see if something could give me a hint of whether I could get away with this. I was eating those uh, fruit-flavored Mentos candy. You know that Mentos candy? It's fruit-flavored the entire trial. I just, I just love them. And I'm chewing the shit out of them the entire trial. Now, if you remember, the Mentos are those chewy fruit candies. They're in a roll. And poor Chapo was not allowed to take anything from us. Nothing. But the poor guy sitting next to me, right next to me for like months, for four or five days a week. And I'm just running through these Mentos every day. Now, by the way, I just want to say this for the record. Do not confuse the fruit-flavored Mentos with the mint Mentos. They're disgusting. You have to be some kind of complete masochist, sick, sick person to like the mint ones. The fruit-flavored ones are delicious. So I see Chapo looking at me every day. His eyes are red from lack of sleep. And he's seeing me popping the fruity, delicious Mentos into my mouth. 
And he's looking at me like oh, he's salivating, like I stole his puppy. He's wanting and craving. And I finally just say, fuck it. And I slide one over to him. Just slide, just pushed it across the table. Like six inches, because that's how close we were. And it was an orange one, I'll never forget. He doesn't just take it, though. He looks at me like I'm crazy. His eyes got all wide, like I had passed him a plastic explosive. I said to him, eat it, it's okay, just eat it. He froze for a second because he didn't know if he was going to get shot. But he grabbed it and he popped it into his mouth. Instantly, the marshals are upon us. What are you doing? I'm like, dude, it's a Mentos. He's not allowed to have anything from you, they, they, they tell me. <clears throat> I said to them, I can't give the guy a piece of candy. He's facing the rest of his life in prison, in solitary confinement, and you guys won't let me give him a piece of candy? I'm like, what's your actual concern? They tell me that it's a security issue. And I'm like, it's a security issue? Are you afraid he's going to take the Mentos, sneak it back to his cell, and uh, whittle it into the shape of a key and use it to escape his cell? That was a good joke, right? No laughter at all. That was an A-plus joke. No laughter at all. So I figured maybe they, you know, they were embarrassed about the stupidity of, of not being able to let Chapo eat a Mentos. So I figured, screw it. I'm going to give this a shot with the baseball. And I take the baseball out of my bag and say, look, during a break, this man needs to sign the ball. Okay, just let him sign the ball, all right? And the marshal looks at me, and he's like, no, he can't do it. It's a security issue. It's a weapon. And I'm like, do you think he's going to take this baseball and throw it 100 miles an hour and strike the judge and kill him? I'm like, really? No laughter. Another A-plus joke. No laughter at all. But I, I took my shot, and I'm thinking, even during a break, if I dare to give him the baseball, they're going to tell the judge. And I just don't, I don't want that. I, I just, I, I can't do it. So I wasn't allowed to get the ball signed. And, and, you know, I just, I was pretty pissed. Never got the ball signed. That's how crazy uh, his security was. But by the way, I met him in January of 2017 in prison, spent hundreds of hours with him in the downtown Manhattan jail, the MCC. The trial started in November of 2018, almost two years later. When he came out for his status conference, I don't know if it was a couple, maybe a month before the trial started, that was the first time I ever shook his hand. I was never allowed to be face-to-face -face with him without something between us before then. Now, my consolation prizes were the opening uh, statement and the summation, which I had him sign for me, because to the marshals, they just looked like paper. I just slid it over and and in very broken Spanish, asked him to sign it. The opening, he just put his signature on. That was all. He wasn't sure yet, I think, what kind of lawyer I was. So I guess that's all I deserved. As the trial went on, though, I quickly gained his respect. And especially after he wanted to fire one of the other lawyers uh, every day for three months, by the time I gave the summation, we had become very close. And he just loved the summation. He loved it. And he signed my summation, the very first page at the top, for Attorney Lichtman, with love and respect, Joaquin Guzman, which to me was pretty cool. I actually coveted more than a signed ball, and it was you know, such an important piece of the trial to me, and it was the best summation I've ever given in my life. And as another consolation prize, and this was a great one also, I had Chapo's wife, Emma Coronel, sign a ball for me when she was in my office before she went to jail. And this is really a truly delightful person, funny, appreciative, very smart. And I ended up getting her a great sense, and she'll be out of jail 
in uh, just over a year. Um, so there was at least some happiness to the Chapo story at the end. Jeffrey Lickman for Beyond the Legal Limit. You can find me on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio. I've been getting some great email. I got email from some uh, eggheads talking about foreign policy and even from a mentalist from Las Vegas. So I have to write back to a wonderful email. I really appreciate it. Keep it coming. Talk to you next week.